Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Are you or your team performing all possible vendor validations? Do you know which documents have the key data you need to confirm that the vendor you are about to create or update is real? Be sure by downloading the vendor validation reference list. It also has links to all the resources listed. Download at www. Dot Deborah D E B R A R Richardson R I C H A R D S O N dot com. So the last couple of episodes I've been asking, did you know that there were states that require you to determine if non-resident withholding is necessary for your vendors, most times prior to the first payment? Well, for the last two episodes, I talked about California and Pennsylvania. This week, if you want to hear all about the state of Nebraska, keep listening. Welcome to episode 96. Do you need to collect the North Carolina W-4NA form when setting up new vendors? In episode 94, do you need to collect the California 587 or 590 forms when setting up new vendors? And episode 95, do you need to collect the Pennsylvania Rev 1832 form when setting up new vendors? I talked about states that I am aware of that require payers to withhold non-resident income tax from state-sourced income under certain circumstances, and definitely all of these states have their own separate rules. Um, But the other state that also has similar requirements is Nebraska. Now, um, to be fair, South Carolina, I know, has some special circumstances. If you have construction or contracting work, I'll do some um, research on that. I know they have a I-3 12 affidavit and so that might be something that uh, that would be great to include here as well as long as I'm talking about states but for this episode we're going to talk about Nebraska and Nebraska in my opinion is unique and by unique I mean that in my opinion the requirements are just a bit more complex to identify and to calculate than when talking about um, California and Pennsylvania um, non-resident withholding. So let's jump right into it. Um, According to the Nebraska Department of Revenue, non-resident individuals or entities, i.e. your vendors, who perform personal services in Nebraska are subject to withholding. 
Here's where it gets a little more complicated because according to their information guide, and I will leave a link to it in the podcast um, show notes, you must determine who is performing the work to determine whether withholding is required. So from their information guide, it says that payments made to non-resident individuals um, are subject to withholding tax if the non-resident individuals are performing personal services in Nebraska. And that's when the payer maintains an office or transacts business in Nebraska and the payments exceed $600 or just if the payments exceed $5,000. Now, payments made to non-resident entities are subject to withholding when the payer maintains an office or transacts business in Nebraska and the payments exceed $600 or the payments exceed $5,000. And and here's the complicated part. And when 80% of the voting stock of a corporation is owned by the shareholders who perform the personal services for the corporation or 80% or more of the ownership or profits interest of a partnership or LLC is held by the partners or members, again, who perform the personal services for the entity. So you have to determine who is going to um, perform the work for non-resident entities. You've got to determine who's going to perform the work. And then only if those professionals that are performing the work are partners, shareholders, or members of that entity is the payer required to withhold from their payments. Now the complexity doesn't stop there because in addition to that, the payment amount subject to either 4% if the payments are less than 28,000 or 6% if the payments are more than 28,000, the payment amount can't be calculated prior to the work being completed. But not to worry, the determination as well as the withholding amount can be resolved on their form W-4-N-A. So let's talk about that. The Nebraska Income Tax Withholding Certificate for Non-Resident Individuals, or the form W-4-N-A, is the form that you would need to complete for Nebraska non-resident individuals and entities. Now, unlike the California 587-590 forms and the Pennsylvania Rev 1832 form, this Nebraska form is the first one that just cannot be completed prior to the work. And if you remember with California and Pennsylvania, those forms need to be collected, completed prior to setting up the vendor. However, with Nebraska, the form W4NA just cannot be completed prior to the work being done. Doesn't mean it can't be started, but we'll talk about that um, just a little bit later. Now, the purpose of the form is to determine whether withholding is required and if so, to calculate the amount of withholding. But again, you have to wait for the invoices. Why? Because the critical elements used in the calculation as well as other fields on the form require the work to have 
already been performed because you need that information in order to complete it. Now I'm going to start talking about the actual form itself and I do have a screenshot of the form on the accompanying blog post. So for each of these podcast episodes, I do have a blog post so you can um, listen or read. And in the blog post, I have all of the images and the screenshots that I talk about, but I also have a link to the form in the show notes if you just want to head over to um, the Nebraska. Department of Revenue and take a look at it. But looking at the form, uh, you need certain information in order to complete it. So the first thing that you're going to need in order to calculate um, the Uh, withholding amount is the date of service because uh, the first question or line number one is date date or dates of service. The next information that you're going to need is all surrounding invoices. So you need the total payment. So you need to know how much you're going, going to pay the vendor. And then you need to identify separately any business expenses that are included on the invoice. The other thing that you're going to have to include is you're going to have to include the personal information of other professionals that are paid on the invoice. Now, I've never seen any state get to this level. So if you paid a contractor Um, or if your vendor paid a contractor and that information was on the invoice, you are going to need that contractor's name, that contractor's social security number, and then also their address. And you're going to need to itemize the amount paid. So again, that you won't know until you get the invoice because your vendor won't know that. They won't know the total amount paid nor the total folks that are actually working on or they've contracted with to do that um, to help with that service until they've completed the payment and then sent you the invoice. Now the other section that needs to be completed is the allocation of uh, amounts divided or separated based on the partner shareholder or members. So you're going to have to identify which partners, shareholders, or members perform the personal services. And in addition to that, again, you have to give their social security number, or in this case, you can also give their federal ID number. Um, you can identify the percent of allocation based on you know how many hours or what the percentage of the work was, and then also the allocation amount. And again, you won't know that um, the allocation pieces of it until the work is completed. So you can see how this form is a little bit different because you have to have um, that extra step of setting the vendor up. But then before the payment, you have to take a look at that invoice, complete this form to determine what that withholding amount is. And that withholding amount calculation is based on taking the total payments and then either deducting the total amount of the expenses plus the professional fees paid or 
50% of the total payments, whichever is less, deducting that from the total payments. And then from that amount, if it's less than 28,000, like I said before, um, you times that by 0.04. And if it's more than 28,000, you times that by 0.06. And that is how you come up with the amount of income tax withholding. So there's a, a couple of steps in there that is just, again, not present with the state of California, the state of Pennsylvania, because all you have to do is have the vendor uh, complete um, those forms prior to setup. So you know before an invoice comes in whether or not you have to withhold. That's just not true with, Nor uh, with Nebraska. So my recommendation is to have a two-part um, step as far as collecting and completing the form. Just separate them. I would require partial completion of the form at the time of vendor setup. Have the vendor complete the payee's name and location address section, as well as the section that requires the name of partners, um, shareholders or members, their social security number or their federal um, ID number. So completion of the payee information will give you the information you need to verify and set up the vendor. And then completion of the partner information will force the vendor to answer the question of whether any eligible vendor employees qualify for withholding. So in other words, if this section comes back to you blank, then your vendor is signing off on the form indicating that no vendor employees performing personal services are partners, shareholders, or members. And then you can file the form as documentation and support of why the vendor is not subject to withholding. Now, if it comes comes back and that information is completed, then you know you need to flag that vendor um, so that before the invoice is paid, that form and the calculation is completed. Now you may need to reach out to the vendor if they didn't itemize the business expenses, if they didn't and who would, you know, give you the contractors or professionals that they paid, if they didn't give you the information such as their address or social security number, then you need to reach out to them. Now, as with the other states' forms, there is a section for the payer's information. And again, I would pre-populate this information so that when you send the form, you don't have to have that uh, completed every time you send it. Um, pre-populate it, uh, copy it, save it as electronic copy as a template, and then send that out to your vendors as needed. And when you send it, I would also include some type of um, a note or maybe even include it in your welcome letter for those vendors that are performing personal services in Nebraska and let them know that this is going to be a two-step process. Let them know what information you're going to need as far as the itemized business expenses, the personally um, or the personal information of any contractors or consultants or professionals professionals that they use and will bill you for. And then the same thing with the um, uh, partners, shareholders, and members. Uh, just let them know. And, and if they're performing personal um, services in Nebraska and they're a vendor that does that often, they may be used to it, but I would still have that information there. 
Now, as normal, um, as I talked about with the other states, make sure you check with your company's tax professional, uh, especially for Nebraska, because it does have um, a couple of extra steps. It's a little more complicated, and you just need to verify with your tax professional whether your company absolutely needs to determine and uh, if your vendors need to have Nebraska non-resident withholding. Um, eligibility again can be based on where your company is located or where the services are being performed. And again, um, as I talked about with the other states, since additional forms and with Nebraska, these extra steps during the vendor setup process um, can cause additional delays and questions. It is best to verify in advance. And then if your tax professional says yes, you need to collect that form, then make sure you provide training to your vendor maintenance team and your AP help desk team. This will keep the teams updated and then also just arm them with the information required to respond to requests about this requirement because you're going to get it from the vendor and also from internal employees. Sometimes they can be worse than the vendors. Um, I would create an FAQ or a desktop procedure that just has prepared responses and they can be copied and pasted in emails or used when speaking to vendors or internal employees on the phone. If you need a desktop procedure template, I will have a link to one in the show notes. It's actually on a new vendor ad, but it has all the sections that you can use it for, um, adjust it for any type of a process or a function. Um, it has a table and contents too, so it's a good um, place to get you started. Also, um, add the requirement to your vendor setup and maintenance policy or your AP policy for your internal employees so that they know what is required for vendor setup and that your you or your team has support that you can um, rely on that your leadership has signed off on so that uh, you don't have to uh, deal with uh, internal employees uh, indicating they're not going to follow a policy because the more complicated something gets, the um, I, I guess the less adoption or the harder adoption is because as we know, all internal employees just want everything in AP to go so quickly and so smoothly because they don't understand the compliance requirements that we have to do. And that's fine. They don't need to understand that. You just need to be upfront about what is required so they know what to collect from the vendor or so they know how to explain what is required if the vendor contacts them. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 96th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.